Hello and welcome back to For the Love of a Franchise. I am your host for the final time for a good while, I'm going to say. I am Josh, as usual, uh, and joining me this week is Tony. The truth is out there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And also Paul. Jonesy! I'm good! I'm bad! I don't know which! (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Ray Winston's <laughs> fucking quaking in his boots there. Bet in play. Bet with Ray. Fucking hell. Uh, do you know what? He is <laughs> Oh, like no. The... I wish I, sh- I should have gone with now. Oh, I've come to kill your monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So, we're going to take a look at the final, or, well, most recent anyway, because we've got a new one coming very soon, um, entry into the Indiana Jones franchise. Uh, we'll probably do a review of uh, in Indy 5, pro- probably maybe 12 months after the actual film comes out because we've got that much coming up in comic <laughs> book and other franchise-wises. Um, so, yeah, um, we're going to do Indiana Jones and the film that was a hash of a fucking film to make and um, just really didn't need to be made. Um so we're gonna do Crystal Skull. So let's get right into it. Um, oh God, you know what? Where do you really start? I mean, well, you have to start with the awful CGI gopher. Oh fuck! Oh, I like the gopher. Do you know what? Yeah, I mean, you can tell it's CGI. Yeah, you can tell it's CGI, but it's not like it's not fucking awful. Yeah, but it's still it's... got that cool paramount dissolve though from from the mountain to the to the mountain. The Gopher Hill. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Although I, I, I will say the um, the fifties element is quite rammed down your throat from the, the start of this. In yeah. the, uh, well, the next the... thing I, I jotted down was Elvis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's actually got a decent soundtrack. Yeah, yeah for the most part. Yeah, because it's the fifties. Yeah. yeah, it's um, but the, I'm not being funny. The fucking hot rod car just did not need to be there. They could have just had like. You know any fucking fifties car, yeah. and it would have suited a teenage Greece esque. Yeah, like... well, but it, it's it's a weird little sequence anyway. Because they're literally just there to set you up for the for the quote unquote military guys to be on the road. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know why they with them without had... the car. Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't have just had that convoy just making its way up. It's all deadly serious and whatever. Yeah, but you know, um. So anyway, we, we, we're taken to um, the outskirts of Area 51. And I will say, I personally think this film's got quite a strong start. Mm. It, for, for an indie film where Indy is quite blatantly in his fucking 70s, like, the, I think this is quite a strong start. It yeah. just it doesn't feel like an indie film, though, does it? We're so no, used to I... him kind of going on his adventure to find something. Yeah. Rather than being kidnapped and like yeah, he has to find something to stop other yeah, people being, getting it. Being strong armed into finding something, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like the Ark of the Covenants, he was instructed by the FBI to go and find it to stop the yeah. Nazis getting it. It's pretty much the same thing with the last crusade, <coughs> although Don- Donovan turns out to be a Nazi anyway. Um and Temple of Doom he just stumbles on it anyway. So but yeah, I get what you mean. Like he does feel quite slightly strong armed. Um but I will say that it does 
it, it's quite strong, but only until Indy actually gets out of the boot of that car. And then they start adding the wonderful characters that we've all come to know and love. Fucking hell. Well, do, do you know what? Right. Harrison is okay as Indy in this, but you can, t- as I said to you guys in our little chat, you can tell he's acting. And yeah. he's not as in love with this character as he was when he was first doing it. Mm. Um, Mac is a fucking useless piece of shit that does not need to actually be in this film at all, to be honest. Um, although I will say Kate Blanchett is actually not a half bad villain. She's not the best, but she's not uh, a half I, bad I haven't seen her play a decent villain yet. Not even Hella? She... No, I thought Hella was bad as well. Okay. Controversial. Okay. Um, I wasn't a massive fan. She just she camps it up way too Ooh. much. Well, I suppose that's the American attitude to Russians in general, anyway. Yeah, but it's every time she plays a villain. Oh, okay. That she's, <laughs> it's exactly the same character each time. There's just no nuance to it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just yeah. no. Well, I'll, I'll say this for the film. The the clever concepts behind how Indy uses his brain to find certain clues and decipher certain things for about a good 80% of this film are on point as with the other three films because you can tell that Indy has like, studied for years and learned all this shit along the way. Um, yeah. But the thing that annoyed me is that we don't even get a pre-credit sequence of the Roswell crash and Indy being brought in even if like they'd have cast quite a young Indy to do it Mm. or even done some really really shitty de-aging of Harrison which probably would have been (laughs) fucking shocking at the time Um, I'm sure we're gonna I'm sure we're gonna see it very shortly yeah we will see it shortly yeah Um, Yeah. the other thing he left me wanting it in that opening exchange, he's actually wanted to see him in the war. When he talks about the stuff they got up to, oh, well, I'm, short I'm, now. yeah, I'm wondering whether um, this upcoming film will do that. Because, mm. and if it does, you know, I'm happy with that personally. Um, but yeah, the, the the whole thing of him using the gunpowder and the stuff in the uh, the shotgun shells and whatever to find the uh, the alien body. I, I actually quite like that. It's dragged out just a bit too long. I would rather he'd have thrown the hat in the air with all the gunpowder and he'd have just followed that rather than, yeah, you know, like go a couple of paces, cool. throw something else. I did like as well in, the, in that seat, in that segment, the actual the couple of nods to Raiders as well in, in the store. Yeah. The yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's, that, tell you what, that's something that I'd say about this film in general. I love the fact that well, A, John Williams came back to do it, but also that it's a fresh score, but at the same time, it, there's little hints, like um, the chase from, from Last Crusade, where they're running through the streets of Italy, um, mm. and then like onto the boat, and there's the boat chase and whatever. That music is in a certain section of, of this sequence, I think it is, um, yeah. when he's escaping the <coughs> Russians. Um, obviously, there's the stuff, like you said, Tony, with Raiders and whatever. And but I, I like that combination of both old and new, and I think yeah. Williams does it brilliantly. Um, as you said, Tony, that not only is there um stuff in the score, 
in reference to Raiders, yeah. there's a great no, big fucking Easter egg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just... I, I didn't like that in the cinema when you see the broken the broken case and they, they just drive past it. it like... You didn't like it? No, I did like it. I did. I oh, just you did? That yeah. It's... And they drive past, not even knowing <laughs> there's something it's of even greater power there. <laughs> Do you know what I was really like? That he'd have basically broken other boxes to build, to like basically get shit out and just go, fuck, how do we use this? And like presses one yeah. button on something and it just like incinerates a fuckload of the rush. Maybe if they, they were sort of iconic things like like we've mentioned in the past, like the um uh the Greg big pointy thing, I can't think what it's called now. The Spear of Destiny. Oh, yeah. Just a couple of little scenes of that that they already got things like that in boxes. That would have been quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Craig would be tittering to himself now. The big pointy thing. <laughs> <laughs> he sat. He sat listening to this now, just chuckling away with his dick out, probably knowing him. But anyway, <laughs> um, I love the fact that they make out that not only is Area Fifty One a massive storage center for everything that we don't understand. But also, it's a testing center where people will come to work that day, just take apart all this mad, like mystical yeah. and alien technology. Like and, an Amazon like, warehouse. <laughs> basically, yeah, it's a giant Amazon warehouse. It's like Disney's storage where they keep all their old floats, all their old animatronics, <laughs> and and Walt Disney's frozen head. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I think the fight scene between uh, Indy and the Russian version of the big Nazi from Raiders, um, it's not brilliant, let's be honest. It's, it's it's a bit like, you know, what can we get Harrison to do that won't let him break a bone? <laughs> it's, it's not like, let's take a risk. It's very safe, is the yeah. word I'd use to describe it. Um, but I think it is a good bit of comedy in that somehow this Russian guy just da- apparently dies from a massive rocket blast that he's not even in the fiery part of and then get, <laughs> gets up. He, he looks like he dies. I know he doesn't die because he gets back up about 30 seconds later, but he looks like he dies because of the way in, he just pushes him off the fucking tram thing, whatever it is. Um. And then there is the big fucking piss take of this film, the nuclear bomb. <laughs> what? Why? Why does that need to be in this film? Because George Lucas has wanted it to be in the film right from the first one. George Lucas, from the beginning, wanted Indiana Jones to survive a nuclear fallout. Yep. What a pillar. <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. George Lucas has given me two of my favourite movie franchises of all time. But I will still call that man a pillar for such an idiotic and insane idea. But I think we mentioned this probably with, with Doom and how people took against this. And yet I, I I, will fight for it on the basis of it's no more or less ridiculous than that fucking dinghy. In, in yeah, Doom. exactly. Yeah. Then what, then what thing? The dinghy. The dinghy. Oh, uh, the dinghy. I thought that, you said the thingy. The dinghy that doesn't collapse or falls yeah, in on its side. Yeah, that doesn't burst instantaneously from a 300-foot yeah. drop. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll give you that. But in theory, 
there's I mean, I know it's like a one in a three billion chance that it had happened, but at least there is that chance. A nuclear fallout, you're fucking incinerated, especially considering well, it's, the it's, it's the bit that I take I have to struggle with in that is when he stood there on the bank watching the new the uh, mushroom yeah, cloud. That, that thinking, was exactly I'm thinking, what I was... I'm thinking there's a cancer patient in the making in twenty yeah. years' time. Don't get me wrong, I know that the very next scene is him getting Geiger counted and, like, scrubbed down to fuck. Bit late, though, I <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not being funny. The guy should already be coming out in blisters, throwing yeah. off his guts. Fucking Chernobyl-like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's. I mean, I'm looking at the picture now, and that guy is well within... Like, he's basically standing under the fucking mushroom cloud. <laughs> It does look cool, don't get me wrong. But if the if the fridge had been blown like outside the main fallout zone and he'd have watched it from like the top of a fucking hill or something overlooking the mushroom cloud, I'd have been like, okay, I can kind of get behind that. No, mm. he stood under the bastard thing. Anyway, Indy's getting interrogated by the FBI, but in the previous scene, someone does that just have a little scrub of his knob, if you look very closely. <laughs> he has a look down and goes, oh, hello. Um, but the, the them FBI agents are a pair of knobs. I'll just say that from the start. And again, as you said, Tony, at the start of this, there's an obvious World War II connection in what Max suggests. Yeah. And we don't get anything aside from in the end, the fuckload of medals in World War Two. That's it. Yeah. Although like, I, I do want to say at this point, because it, 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 it was bugging me um, until Stranger Things recently, where I recognised one of the um, the FBI agents from, and he was actually an agent of Shield. Oh. Yeah. I, I knew I recognised one of them's faces, but yeah, he, he's the um, I'm gonna call him the android. He's the. Uh, the bull guy in Agents of Shield. I can't remember the character's yeah. name. Deathlock. No. Um, no um, from the final oh, season. Oh, I didn't watch the final season. From the, um, and I see, and he's been in something recently as well, hasn't he? Yeah, because he, he was um Eddie's father in um, yes. Stranger Things. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I was watching. Think oh, I know that face from somewhere. No, no I, I seen him in this a couple of days before. Uh, and the, also the other thing I know from that that scene was Jim Robinson. Yeah. Alan Dale, the king of bit parts. Yeah, uh. yeah. <laughs> he's literally he he's like the worst version of Mark Shepard. <laughs> <laughs> he do, he doesn't get like a full episode. He gets a five minute cameo, and that's it. And he's probably <laughs> done more movies than Mark Shepard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, well, um. Basically, that it's just an interrogation scene that doesn't go anywhere, and you basically think, yeah. "Oh, this is just like the little setup for them to go back and then get the real sort of mission of this film." Mm. Because you don't actually see that it's the Roswell alien when they cut it open originally in the uh, warehouse. So you kind of think, "Oh, it's just like an intro to get us back into indie." But um, I love the bits in the in the um, in the university. I know Marcus has passed on. We get. The legend that is Jim Broadbent, yeah, although he's woefully him. underused. Yeah, but this that role was always going to be thankless. Yeah. Yes. Because he wasn't Marcus. No, yeah. exactly. 
But it's, uh, I, I just scribbled that. It's a very nicely done scene, though, with the two of them just changing, exchanging words. And Indy's scene is so rueful and, and really sad and emotional at that point. Yeah. But the, the only thing I'd say about the way that they wrote Jim Broadbent's character is when he says, oh, I've managed to get your, um, like, basically time, uh, a leave of absence with full pay. And he goes, you don't know what I've uh, had to agree to to get you that. And he says, I've resigned. I, I got, abs- I mean, I know it's Jim Broadbent and the man is a legend of British acting. But I got absolutely nothing from that. I wasn't like, oh, shit. No, it's like, well, we, we aren't given the chance to care about him. No, not at all. Because he's literally on screen for about two minutes. Yeah. Mm. I, I know I know he basically wasn't going to be a part of this film in a big way anyway. He was there just to basically fill the role of Marcus Brody. But, you know, it, have him like in that seat, in that first opening bit with uh, like, who could replace Jim Broadbent with uh, Ray Winston? That character for that character. Yeah, mm. I'd, rep- I'd do that. I just care about him a bit more. Um, yeah. But anyway, Indy basically gets in uh, quotation marks the sack because he doesn't. Um, and he's about to leave and fucking Shia LaBeouf on the back of the Transformers franchise turns up. The second um, mistake they made. Yes, yeah. very much my, so. my exact note at this point was, I fucking hate Matt. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think mean, if it had been a different scriptwriter, I think it could have worked. Yeah, possibly. But Lucas just doesn't know how to write a script. No. I mean, he had one, he had maybe two good script writing turns. But other than that, other than Star Wars and possibly American Graffiti, if you, you know, if you look at it from a certain point of view, yeah. um, are, are, are genuinely good scripts. But Aside from that, he just doesn't really know for me. Um, but the thing, the thing about Shia LaBeouf, right? He was good in Even Stevens because I grew up on that show. He was okay in Transformers. He was good in the first one. He kind of dwindled after that because he, I think that's when the drug problem started. Good in a World War Two film I saw called Fury. Yeah, yeah he was in really that. good in that. Um, he's good when he's got a good script and a good director. Don't get me wrong, Spielberg is a it's just a lame character from the off, though, I think, as well. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah. funny, it'll tie to some of me in Portland watching recently. It's it, it's it's like it's Brando in um uh, the wild one, I think, basically. I think it's based on yeah. it just doesn't work from the off for me. It's yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it, in future times to come, if I decide to pick the Transformers films. I will sing Shia LaBeouf's praises for the first two, mm. and then I'll, I'll then I'll chat major shit about him in the third one. Um, and then even he had enough. <laughs> yeah, because because he'd evidently by the third one, he ju- he quite evidently just signed off with that third one. Um, because yeah. the guy can act, he can act, but he has to have the right script under him. Yeah. which is the same with about 90% of actors but yeah. 90% of actors are also malleable to certain <laughs> scripts some just aren't um, the thing I will say in Mutt's favour is the guy's good in the fight <laughs> yeah but it, it then does turn into what we've already talked about it turns into Grace 
for a oh, second. Oh, yeah, massively, massively <laughs> turns into Greece. <clears throat> I, I was waiting for the fucking John Travolta to turn up and go, but I am your father. Um, <laughs> but it, the dynamic between Shire and Harrison, I think is actually not that bad. No, Muff, I don't. I think they had a decent chemistry between them at yeah. times. Muff, yeah. Muff himself is a poor character, poorly written anyway. But between him and Indiana Jones, that dynamic is cracking. Yeah. It really is. Um, and I do I do love the chase scene all the way from that cafe right the way to uh, through the, the library and all that malarkey. And, and, and Marcus's head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that, and, and that's what Indiana Jones has always done well. They've always had decent chasings, and there's a couple in this film as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, though it does turn into a CGI fest in the second one. Oh yes, yeah. it starts out all right. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it, it is it is good this one because the stunts are done live action, which I think is something that. A lot of films nowadays, I know just before we started recording, Tony, you were watching Mission Impossible. I think as those films have gone on, a lot of their sort of chase sequences and more over-the-top stunts have become quite CGI-ish because obviously Tom Cruise is now pushing, what, 50-plus? Yeah. Yeah, and the guy, as is evident in recent years, is going to start breaking bones. And being out of commission for quite a while, um, so yeah, he's okay. actually sixty. Tom Cruise. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, well, he does not fucking look it. That's why I went for fifty. Um, but yeah, it, see, I think if you can get a stunt double that is going to look almost as spit as your actor that is supposed to be doing that stunt on screen, I'd rather you'd had a stunt double to be honest than a, a complete CGI mock-up. Because mm. because a it's less costly, and b it actually looks fucking genuine, and it will make an audience go, "Oh my god, that was boss," and it will probably be a talk, a massive talking point of a film. Um, the bit in um Peru where the obviously Indy's now figured out like, "Oh, I need to go, uh, to the Nazca lines and uh, piece all this shit together and find the graveyard and whatever." <laughs> Bless you. Um, I I like that stuff, but at the same time, I think the the living dead people were not needed. Well, I just written down at this point another protection group. <laughs> <laughs> Indiana the Jones and the many protection groups. Yeah, but though, oh, given their dues, they could fight though. <laughs> oh yeah, they can fight, but they're slippery little bastards. Um, and what I will <laughs> say about this scene is when Indy asks him whether he's got a knife. Well, yeah. actually, one scene before, he knew full well he'd got a knife. Yeah. So why ask him again? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you drop? No, did the fuck? I was just like, oh, okay. We're going to do that again, are we? <laughs> do what again? The, the fact that he asked him when he's literally oh. got the knife out in front of him. <laughs> I mean, see, the, the bit about this whole, the Peru scene, I don't, I know Indy is like has a lot of scare moments. Obviously, we have the face melting bit and Raiders. Basically, about eighty five percent of Temple of Doom is scary. Um, 
and there's the bit of Donovan in Last Crusade. But because these guys are not actually dead and they basically just scream in your face because they're fucking insane. I'm like a lot of kids in the cinema back then probably would have been, oh fuck, no, that's no, that's scary. No, no, mum, don't like that. No. Mm. And why are those poison darts poisoned at both ends? <laughs> uh, you knew I was going to bring that up. You know how fucking OCD I am about shit like that. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I, I just thought that there was going to be some serious blowback, wasn't there? From that? <laughs> oi, oi. <laughs> well, there's another thing. Um, I yeah, do like uh, the part-time gag, though, at this point. when. Yeah, that no, that that is funny, and that's something that we've touched on a lot through these reviews of indie. Um, the comedy when it hits, it hits very fucking well, mm. and yeah. I, I think there's actually quite a lot of comedy in this film that hits well. There's one or two that you're like, mm, okay, and I'd say a good chunk of that comes from Ray Winston, um, but <laughs> yeah, I'd say a lot of the comedy does hit well, um. But the, uh, the the reason I say that I don't think the the tribal guards or whatever you want to call them in the graveyard are not needed is purely because the Russians show up five minutes later. Mm. Like it's that that they're not needed. You might as well have had Indian mutt turn up. They're overlooking the grave sites, and they see that the Russians have made it there themselves because, as you find out later on in the story, they've already got John Hurt in custody. Yeah. So, and this, and Kate Blanchett's character is supposed to be like, you know, fucking Stephen Hawkins. Like, <laughs> she's supposed to be like dead clever. So, surely she would be able to figure shit like that out. Um, so, I would rather that the Russians would have already been there and, like, just shot all them little annoying bastards at the gravesite. And in, you must have to sort of sneak in and get to, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, but. Is it Oriana? Oriana. <coughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, the dead Spaniard's grave. Um, yeah. I would rather that have happened. Um, I was just going to say for clarity, I know on a lot of reviews, I always say I would rather this have happened. I would have changed the script to do this. I'm no, I'm by no means a scriptwriter. I just think things make a lot more sense if you tell a cohesive story and. Just use your common sense. Um, the obviously then Indian Moss uh, captured and taken away by the Russians, and the they're, they're in the Amazon, deep in the Amazon. Um, and this is where Ray Winston makes me want to put my fist through the telly. Yeah. I, I, I earlier earlier down I'd written I hate Mac too, and now I've yeah. written at this point I put I really hate Mac. It's just such a cliched, annoying, seen it before character trait, and it yeah. But he doesn't sell it either very particularly well, I don't think. Do, do you know what no. he does? He does in this for me, right? He basically plays his character in Black Widow with the comedy dialed up to eleven. Mm. Yeah, that that that's it. Now I know Ray Winston is one of those actors who is is good in this very very early films. But he's also one of those actors who, as he gets older, plays the exact same character with just the slightest tweak. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I haven't really seen any films between Ray Winston's very earliest career moments 
and it and this basically. And for me, this is when his I'm gonna play the same character and tweak the slightest thing moments start in this film because he's like, I'm fucking Ray Winston. Can, can we also touch on the uh, the bottle of Dan Aykroyd's vodka that they find? Otherwise known as the Crystal Skull. Because <laughs> <laughs> that you know, is exactly what it looks like. Do you know? Do you know what, Ray? You know, um, you know the bit in Raiders where they actually find the lost ark and there's like the music really swells. Well, an old yeah. mate of mine used to have a crystal skull of full of fucking absinthe vodka <laughs> in his in his house, and every time he used to break it out. I used to play that music from Raiders and just like get him to lift the crystal skull up in the air, <laughs> like he like he done it in an archaeological dig. Brilliant! It did look really good that prop actually. I thought it's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it actually looks like it's made of quartz, and the way that I imagine it's ILM. Um, oh, Paul, you just sent that exact bottle of vodka into our little group chat. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that is it. Um, yeah. Um, the way I don't know if it's like if it's ILM or some other product, um, visual effects company. Um, but I imagine it would be ILM. The way they d- used to do that um effect in the extended cranium of like like there's an entire universe within the quartz crystal of that skull. That's fucking magic. That to me, you know. That's absolutely gorgeous effect. Yeah. I was just going to reference at this point the 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 old the, the bit where they give the spiel in the uh, in the tent. Uh, I think I sent you guys a link, and some of that was very much taken from an earlier draft by Frank Darabont of all people. Um, yeah, because the, the source of men from Mars thing. So so the revelation we get at the end is sort of was changed slightly, but it was again it was some of Lucas was after for a while was to want to make that that fifty setting more sci-fi relevant so, so that bit has been around for quite a while at this point yeah because it wasn't that a, a draft of um or the first film that was going to be made wasn't that going to be about indy going on the hunt for aliens and or what was that the script for the fourth film that it was for this yeah there was this it was the original Frank fourth Arbor. film that would have been yeah. 1991 release if i remember yeah. that rightly so, like it that. so it could have been even worse or even better well, I, I well I don't I don't see it. <laughs> um, but do you know what I love the way John Hare plays that character in this film. Mm. I think no, don't get me wrong. In my eyes, John Hare can do no wrong as an actor. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, may he rest yeah. in complete peace. But yeah, and he was he was really good in this. I thought. He I mean, was, we do that thing with with the with the wooden. Whizzing that thing around them that creates the air noise is pretty cool, I thought. Yeah, doing, for some reason, a Rolf Harris impression. Um, <laughs> tw- tw- twirling as uh, did you do? Oh, no, wait, maybe we shouldn't use that metaphor. Um, no. But, mm. he, um, yeah, I, I love how insane, yet completely intelligent that character is. Mm. Yeah. He... He just draws that line so finely in the sand, but yet it's there. And it's it, absolutely and it, the problem. The problem is, it's taken us over an hour for him to even make an appearance, and oh, even yeah. longer for Karen Allen in a two-hour yeah. film. Yeah, is 
and both both of their names were like second and third billing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't see them for half the film. Yeah, see, that's that's another thing I'd probably suggest about changing the script. The pre-credit sequence, or well, not even the pre-credit sequence. The bit basically in Area Fifty One. Fuck Mark off. Get Harold Oxley in there. Get Harrison Ford and John Hurt because. Those two also seem to have a lot of chemistry, even though you don't get as much of it because of how late on John Hurt appears in the film. I'd have them and then just do a cut, like, you know, 10 years, not 10 years later, but like, you know, two two to five years later, and Indy goes looking for the Crystal Skull again because Harold Oxley has lost his mind. Um, Just, again, it's as you said, Paul, it's, it's just not cohesive and just basically poor script writing. Um, Obviously, we've had the introduction of Harold Oxley and we get the reintroduction of Marion Ravenwood, um, which... It's a nice scene as well, I think, when she sort of first appeared. Oh, yeah, it's it's a lovely scene because I think to a lot of people who will have watched Indiana Jones growing up, but not really paid attention to the names of actors and whatever. When she shows up, they go, I recognise that face. And then you hear her talk, and she she sounds like it's 30 years ago. Mm. It's, always, it's always that sort of cliche thing of a, an actress's face can change, but her voice never will. Yeah, I actually got to meet her around the time this film came out. Really cool. I, met, I met both her and John Hurt on the same day. Yeah. <laughs> Is, is she nice? I've, I've heard things that she's uh, she's really lovely person. She really yeah, yeah, she, fans. Yeah, it was obviously it's quite a while ago now. Yeah. Um, London film well, on, Yeah. So it'd be yeah. what? How old's this film? <laughs> oh, uh, twenty six, wasn't it? This came out. So it must have been the 06, 07 LFCC. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Wow. Sounds about yeah. right. <laughs> um. Yeah, because do you know what? I don't know if I'm being thick in saying this because I'd have been six, maybe probably seven or eight actually when this film came out. And I I remember going to see this in the cinema, but I don't know if that's a false memory I've created, but it's in there. And I remember because I had seen the the, the original three before um, I went to see this. And um, that's even if I did go and see it, I think it's a false memory. but I remember seeing Marion Ravenwood come out of this, of the tent and go and she looks familiar, but I don't know who you are. And then it takes about a good minute and a half for me to go, oh, that's the one from Razors. Because she obviously does look so different. Um, but I, I think she has not changed at all. She came back to that character and it was like putting on an old pair of slippers. Yeah, yeah. She's absolutely cracking. Um, she's, she's slightly changed it up because obviously she's older and wiser, but no, it's the same Marion to me. Yeah. Um, although I will say, as they obviously escape the campsite and get lodged in the quicksand, the reveal of Mutt being Indy's son, like... Never mind shoehorned. It's fucking <laughs> crowbarred and whacked over the bastard head with it. Yeah, but yeah. It, it's also really signposted. Yeah. Yes. Piss yeah. easy to signpost. I mean, if you don't pick that up before she goes, he's your son, 
you know, you got an IQ of a fucking toilet brush. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> it's it's um, when she, when he tells him that he's left school. Yeah. And he goes, oh, no, it does, that doesn't matter. And you go, uh, there's no way Indy would say that. Yeah, because he's a fucking teacher, yeah. Yeah, um, and so you know something's going to change his opinion of it throughout yeah. the film. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, you know, again, it's storytelling 101 cliche, one million and one. <laughs> um, but I will say that... Um, Again, the comedy hits just at the right time with this because he, he tells John Hare to go and find help. And you know what? You see it coming a mile off and that he's going to go and nab the Russians. Who else, is, who else are they going to ask for help from? Yeah, exactly. In the middle yeah. of the jungle. But at the same time, when he does come back and he just bends down, looks at him, he goes, help. <laughs> like, yeah. it is I did think the, the snake gag was a bit clunky and all of this. Yeah, I didn't like that. I was like, oh, you're just trying to put it in now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say that the the next sequence of them, like you know, tied up in the back of the truck, and then we get the whole battle sequence on moving vehicles thing. Yeah, it it, it is dragged from previous films. Yeah, but mm. because of the advancements in CGI and um the technology that. W- not only would it have been available behind the camera, but also in front of it in terms of the technology between the, the late 30s and now the 50s. It, it, I personally think it dials that action right up for me. I love this bit. The, the first half of this chase sequence is really good. Yeah. The, the practical yeah. side of it. Yeah. Sword um, fighting on the back of the, um, the jeeps and all that stuff. Yeah. Really and then it, then it takes a turn for the worse when he starts getting waxed in the balls. My yes. and you think oh god and then obviously he comes off it and then we get that fucking sequence with the monkeys it's awful it's not, it's not it's not the monkeys for me the monkeys i don't well i do mind because there's a fuckload of them up in them treetops um but the thing that annoys me is when i start to go oh god it's this bit is with the ants now see i like the ant sequence it's the best bit of the back end of that for me no, it's see, I don't. Hell, I thought. Oh yeah, it's creepy as fuck. But the thing is, I would have rather that. Um, again, this is me changing the script. I know I should have gone and done a script writing course in uni or something. But, um, I would rather that the skull basically drops out of the bag or something as they're running away, and the skull basically enchants the ants into doing all the shit that they do, rather than the fact that they just do it of their own accord. Uh, no, 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 I, I like the fact that that's what they do. They're sort of flesh-eating ants, and I think that's really creepy. And and then we get that, but, that whole se- sequence where we say goodbye to Yap Stam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, the only issue I have... Yeah, they do look like Yaps. The only issue I have with this scene is I don't think the deaths are violent enough compared mm. to what we've seen yeah, in previous films. Had, yeah. Although, do you think it's because... The standard of violence you could get away with in the 80s was so much higher, considering there was no, well, there was, but it wasn't as strict as it has been. In uh, and I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it has got something to do with ratings and things by that point. Mm. Um, because as we said, that those, not even, they weren't even violent, they were just very, very weird deaths in yeah. 
in most of the films. And yet this one doesn't really show anything. They kind of, mm. The ants kind of cover the faces and then that's it. The, we don't yeah, see yeah. any flesh being eaten I, or I think, anything. Yeah, like a skull or something like that. that yeah. Would expect in the earlier films, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the scare... Well, I wouldn't even say scariest bit. I'd say the creepiest bit of uh, one of the death scenes in this bit on behalf of the ants is just when it basically does that bit uh, of venom from Spider-Man 3 where they just crawl inside his mouth and then mm. that's it. I'd say that's the creepiest bit. The one where the... What the guy that I will refer to as Red Shirt, which t- a, a reference that you two guys will get um, from Star Trek, um, <laughs> the, guy, the guy who basically just runs and gets tripped up over fucking air and then um, gets covered by the ants. That that's quite creepy in the sense of how quickly they cover them, and but yeah. you don't actually hear anything like you know getting crunched or squelched or whatever. What I would have liked to have seen, like the, the that big brutish Russian guy who gets killed, I forget. I don't. Well, he has got a name, but I forget it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when he gets um like covered in the ants and what have you, if they'd have like covered him and like actually started tearing fucking chunks out of him, like. Or you actually see their mandibles just like pierce his skin and stuff like that. Mm. I think that you, they'd have probably got away with that, and it'd have been creepy as shit. Mm. It's just like you know, taking the time to actually think about how these characters are—you're gonna kill them off and make it like enjoyable, yet also, oh, that's a bit nasty for for your audience. Um, the next bit of this film is. It's it's okay, but it's no, you know, puzzle solving, riddle solving. It's because you've got John here basically narrating you through the entire fucking thing. Well, it's kind of telling that my notes run out at this point. Just... Yeah, and as I as I messaged you boys this morning, like I completely blanked this ending out. Yeah, it's I completely forgot that there was a flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I, I remembered the like the, the crystal skeletons. Yeah. And that uh, something happened while they were in there. But the fact that the flying saucer flies off, I had absolutely no memory of that at all. Well no, but I'm talking about the, the bit with like in this, in this sequence, like where they find the stairs and stuff and they have to go down and climb down, don't they? I think it's somewhere like that. Yeah, and, and the, the the locals hidden in the ceiling was really quite creepy. Yeah. See, now they're a local tribe that I can get behind. Yeah. Well, well, in terms of the film, I don't mean in terms of them just fucking whipping and bolus and everyone. Yeah. Um, but like you know, compared to the local tribe that guarded the grave sites where the Spanish guy was, um, yeah. was dead. That, like, these guys at the ancient Aztec village made sense. They, mm. they, these, these guys were basically the villagers in the Temple of Doom for me, except they were nasty yeah. bastards, and and the and they worked. Um, but I mean, I've got to say one thing. Just rewinding a little bit, when you first see one of those little tracking dots on the floor, how pissing obvious is it that Ray Winston is leaving those behind? Yeah. It, it's like, you know, at least like have a reveal at the end that it was actually Mutt. 
Yeah. And Indy then disowns him or something like that. You know, have a bit of fucking mm. drama in your script. Yeah, and this is this is where my opening ga- gambit of I'm a good guy, I'm a bad guy. Oh yeah, just, just a, really I'm kicks a, in. I'm a thief. Yeah, yeah, just, uh... yeah. The whole Berlin thing again. You know, expand on it. I mean, they probably yeah. have in some some media form that we haven't seen, but you know. Fucking yeah, give us a bit of backstory for Jesus' sake. Badly written character, terribly performed. Yeah. It just doesn't work. I don't yeah. know. The film doesn't need him. I mean, I I could do an entire half hour episode on how bad Ray Winston is in this film. But, you know, <laughs> we haven't got that time. We, we could do a whole series of how bad he is <laughs> in every film that he's in. Well, well, you got to admit, lads, we absolutely slated them in our black Widow. We did. We, we did. really fucking went for them in that. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, as as I was saying about the uh, the local Aztec tribe, um, you know, I really like them. They were they were creepy. They they used their own native technology to basically scare the shit out of you, and you know, they could have taken them down. Um, but I will say that's a fucking genocide and a half on behalf of them Russians when they turn up. Mm. Yeah, that's an entire. That's like you know Anakin Skywalker and the Tuscan Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Not just the men, but the women and the children too. Um, but like, I like that how John Hurt sort of leads them through all the, um, the the traps and what have you with like the riddles and whatever. But at the same time, there are no fucking traps. Like, this is a prime opportunity to have an Easter egg of a boulder coming down or, you know, (laughs) something to that effect. For it to have meant to have been the final film. Yeah. Of Indy, to not do any callbacks other than Marion. Yeah. Mm. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Then when they get to the top of the Aztec temple, that then obviously leads into the saucer. This is when this is the stuff I love about Indiana Jones. It's the puzzle solving. It's the I yeah. haven't got all the answers, but everything around me is a clue. Yeah. This is like when Indiana Jones and I and I know like you know John A. It's a bit of a crutch for it because you know John A. But um. No, I, I really love it. I love everything, like, even the... It's just the fact that there's one loose stone that then gives Indy the answer to everything. Yeah. And then they fall in, but then land on the stones that then start sinking inwards because that's a classic um adventure trope. Um, I, I love everything about this bit when they then get into what I call the cockpit of the flying saucer, because I don't know if it is or not. And we get to Scientology land. Hey, Tom Cruise is just sitting in that cinema, watching this film, going, yay, this is me, jumping up and down (laughs) on the fucking sofa like he did on Ellen. Um, Tiny Tom Cruise. (laughs) Tiny Tom Cruise. (laughs) I will say, the design work for that cockpit room I I think it's fucking gorgeous, and and the effects for all the, the different the aliens as well. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 really good. It's just the it's the fact that literally they stick the skull on the on the on the spine, 
and that's that's enough to like just make them fucking take off. That that's the annoying thing. There's no like thing of they all come to life and start talking as a collective and passing some knowledge on into someone's brain, and that's obviously what then kills Kate uh, Blanchett's character and whatever. It's not. It's just not very well thought out. Yeah. But the, I'd say the design work that shows that these aliens are the base concept for the entirety of Mayan and Aztec culture design work. Mm. Because it's like George Lucas sat and watched the History Channel for 48 hours and thought, I'll make a jo- Indiana Jones script out of this. <laughs> it's, it's literally, he watched Ancient Aliens and turned it into an Indiana Jones film. <laughs> which don't get me wrong if you've got a, a spare like hour and a half of your life that you want to waste go and watch Ancient Aliens but you know some of us have lives um, and there's always that guy with the big fucking stick up here looks like he's stuck a fork in a plug socket what's his name you know who I mean he's, he's in your head now <laughs> but yeah the the aliens they're beautifully designed I mean it's even down to the rib cage that looks like a spider's web. Mm, yes. It's absolutely gorgeous. And yeah. I will say the effect of all of them coming together to form that Roswell alien. And it's it's basically a generic looking grey man with big black bug eyes from space. Yeah. But still it's gorgeous to look at. Yeah. It's, I suppose at this point we should mention that that whole sequence and, and that reveal and and that's what really rubbed a lot of fans up the wrong way, wasn't it? I just I find it interesting that we can accept endings based around religious iconography and stuff and and sort of um, Asian uh, dark religions and stuff, but yet when we go into that sci-fi element, people completely reacted negatively yeah. about it. Yeah, because it's like, it's like, yeah, go on, just take the piss out of loads of like ancient religions, ancient, you know what, the ancient Egyptians could have been influenced by men from space and um, mm. the, the the three pyramids of Giza could have been um, built in line with uh, Orion's belt, for all we know, but it's the second that they go, oh, actually, they're not actually aliens, they're interdimensional beings. Yeah, people just like go. Well, what the fuck? Yeah. No, Did you think that not... that was the bit that was the problem? The interdimensional bit. If they had been aliens, people would say, "Oh, right, so they're they're responsible for society," and and that would have been a bit more acceptable. It's the dimensional yeah. bit. You think? I mean, I get it because you know, quite possibly there could have been ancient civilizations on this planet that were influenced by more highly advanced civilizations mm. from from outer space. It could have happened. In an infinite yeah. universe of infinite possibilities, it could have happened. But, yeah. you know, j- just write a decent script about it. Don't just then say, oh, by the way, they're actually celestial beings. Yeah. And, and I, don't think it, I don't think it was helped by the fact that the Scientologist stuff, and it, it still does, I'm not saying it doesn't, but it had a very bad rep at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, we got Tom Cruise going through that period where he seemed to have lost the plot um, yeah. and talk that, about how Katie Holmes had their little girl. And 
and obviously the the John Travolta stuff as well at the time. Yeah, um, mm. and it, it definitely wasn't looked upon particularly well um, at the time, and I really don't think that did help. Yeah. No, and no. it's a shame because I I totally get what Lucas was trying to do and was to capture that flavour of the 50s black and white B-movies and stuff. Yeah. But sadly, I think it, it was just too too niche almost in some ways for the general audience. I, I don't even know whether it was too niche. I just think it was poorly executed. Mm. It, that, that script could have been fucking amazing in someone else's hands. If George Lucas had have basically written a two-page synopsis of a, what exactly should happen in this film, and someone else wrote the physical dialogue and action sequences, this film would have been remembered as, do you know what? Harrison Ford can still do Indiana Jones. Mm, yeah. I mean, this mm. next film, and I honest to God hope it does, could prove that he still can do it. But hand on heart, I think when we go and see this film this time next year, this next film, Indiana Jones is getting killed off. Henry Jones Jr. is getting killed off, but the mantle mm-hmm. of Indiana Jones is being passed on. Mm. I'll say it now. Um, I want to take a minute to talk about Kate Blanchett. The woman can act. We know that. We've seen we've all seen Benjamin Button. But she was the right choice for this character in this film. But again, as we've said numerous times throughout this review. The script did not do her any justice. Or the wig. <laughs> or, that, or that fucking wig. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, her end scene where she just evaporates into nothing, that's not a particularly dignified death scene for that character because as much as she's an absolute cow throughout this film and acted decently to a degree, I would rather that um, she had a death similar to the bad guys in Raiders in that her face literally melts with all the knowledge that mm. she receives from the aliens because yeah. they say that knowledge is power. They say that knowledge corrupts, uh, power corrupts even. So mm. if she's got all that knowledge in her head, it should like corrupt her and maybe do like a thing like um, what happened to Wanda in Multiverse of Madness in that like or all her fingers start going black, or she starts becoming like a really deathly version of herself, and then it gets well, that. I, more... I would even go as far as to say she like maybe turned into one of them or something. That would have been interesting. yeah, that's yeah, even that. It's a shout. Just anything other than oh, we'll just evaporate her because we don't know how to kill her off. Mm. You know, it's just like again, as I've said a lot throughout this episode. It's just not properly thought through when it comes to actually writing it. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about this at the end scene of this. And I know Paul's going to go, oh, why? <laughs> like, I like the fact that Indy ends on the note of he gets hitched. And because it kind of signifies... I have no problem with that because it was meant to be the last film and that was meant yeah. to signify that he was done. Yeah. But, and in, but in the, that, the link I sent you guys about one that previous draft that was in there, but of course it, it had the two characters I was miffed weren't in it, which was Willie and Salah, and I really wanted them to be in that wedding sequence at the end. Yeah. 
They yeah. all should have been back. Yeah. The thing is, the, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the actor who played Salah still alive at the time? I'm sure he's he dead is. now. He's, no, he's still alive now. Do you know what? I'm, do you know what? Because um, I was watching a Bond film yesterday, and um, I'm convinced because he, he was in it. I'm sure, it was a Pierce Brosnan one. No, and, he was in one of the Daltons. Was it? Oh, that's probably yeah. wider. I, mean, oh, I must be getting them mixed up with someone I saw in a Brosnan film because uh, it was definitely a Brosnan film I was watching. I think he's in one of the Dalton ones, yeah. Oh, right. Must be getting mixed up. Yeah. Oh, right. Was Gimli, of course, in Lord of the Rings. He was in oh, The Living oh. Daylights. That's right. Ah, was yeah. he? Was he? Yeah. Um, yeah, but well, the thing that I was going to mention, Paul, that I thought you were going to go, ooh, ah, was the scene with the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would go, ugh, ah, eh. Yeah. And he and, did, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And do you know what? I'm completely with you, Donna. I will stand shoulder to shoulder with you and do a collective. Yeah. Um, because, as, I, as well, as you said, Paul, that scene with the wedding signifies that India's getting hitched. He's starting a proper, normal life for himself. He's settling down. He's basically going to die an old man with Marion at his bedside, remembering going after the Ark of the Covenant, going to the Temple of Doom, all that malarkey. But he's got absolutely no connection with Musk. He's known him, what, six months by this point? And he's just, he's already the best man. He's got fucking, (laughs) he's got Jim Broadbent and John Hurt at that wedding, and, none and of it shouldn't have been. Men. It shouldn't have been any of them. It should have been Salah. Yeah, Salah yeah. should have been his best man. Yeah, but I'm sorry, but if Shia LaBeouf becomes, well, I know he won't in this in this next film if like the mantle is passed on. But if Shia LaBeouf was to have become the new Indiana Jones, that entire franchise would have tanked by the next film. Yeah. yeah, I guarantee you, there isn't there is a parallel universe out there where Shia LaBeouf did one film as Indiana Jones, and it made zero. No, it just wasn't funny, and it wasn't even funny as a tease. It just, it just, it rang, wrangled everybody the wrong way, didn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't because, even joke about it, George. Even yeah, because the thing of, is, right? I it. would rather that. The hat fell to his feet. He picks it up and looks at it and goes, nah. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would rather that have happened because Mutt says at the start of this film, I fix motorbikes. And Indy says to him, is that what you want to do for the rest of your life? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, right, okay, so go and do it if it's what you love. So clearly, yeah. he, he fucking loves fixing motorbikes. So let him go and be a mechanic. But yeah. I think they clearly had designs on possibly doing something like that. It wouldn't be in there otherwise. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, obviously. At the but, time, Paramount—it was probably Paramount's biggest moneymaker. Yeah, because Trek was pretty much dead in the water, wasn't it? At that point, oh, God, yeah. yeah, a couple of years away at that point, yeah. Um, and what else have they got? As been proven by. Paramount Plus. That's Mission Impossible, really, isn't it? Yeah. Any other one? Yeah. And as we've just talked about, Tom Cruise was going through his mental period. 
<laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so I guess that's uh, the end of Indiana Jones for time being, or well, for at, at least for a year for us. Um, you guys got any final thoughts? Yeah, just we we battered a lot of it about. There, there, there are some good bits in there. I, I like the, the this Area Fifty One bit. I like that that first chase sequence. I, I even like the, the stuff with the bridge. Um, so, well, I like that second main sequence up until the monkey segment and the CGI. That is terrible. Um, like speaking, um, Ford seems to be just going through the motion at this point. Mac is terrible. Winston is just. It kills the pace every time he's on screen. Yeah. And just, just oh, get him off. Um, well, that's another thing I suppose we didn't really mention. His death scene just yeah. a comes out of fucking nowhere, and b is like like you genuinely could not give less of a fuck. It, it, basically, to me, it felt like the same the same scene as the guy in the in the mummy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He has a similar scene, doesn't he? Where he's trying to pinch loads of um treasures and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's just—it's not terrible, terrible South Park raping, raping Indiana Jones scene. Terrible, like they made it out to be. It's just, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. That that would be a one-word review for it. meh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, know, and that kind of reflects my score. I mean. Uh, I've I've just gone with like seventy percent. It, it's not a patch on any of the others. Yeah, oh god, no. It's I, I'd say I'd say mainly when it hits, it really hits well. Mm. But when it hits poorly, it really fucking hits poorly. Yeah. It's yeah. Final thoughts, Paul. Yeah. Um. I remember when it came out being really excited. Um, I went and saw it at the cinema. I think I must have just had my blinkers on at the time <laughs> because I went out and bought it on DVD. Yeah, I've got <laughs> it on DVD. Um, without even thinking. About it. In fact, I bought it in the States. I bought it in Walmart, of all places. <laughs> um, which is why I had to download it to watch this one because I don't think my multi-region player works anymore. Um, yeah, it, it has bits. I think it's it's let down massively by the script. I think it's let down massively by its casting for the most part. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's nowhere near the the quality of the the first three. Even though I had my issues with with some of them, yeah. Um, yeah. the issues are nowhere near as dooms by bad no as this one. This. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still you still want to watch it again. Mm. Um, with this, I, this will probably be the last time I watch it. I I can't imagine there's any reason why I would need to watch it again, even yeah, with the new I, one coming out. Yeah, because I don't think with the new one, I think they're kind of got gonna kind of gloss over it, as in like, yeah. oh yeah, it, it happened, but we're not gonna really remember yeah. it. You know exactly. I mean? um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to be lower than Tony. I'm only gonna give it like a fifty-seven. Oh right, uh, okay. Because okay. I did it just the, the quality pales so much compared to the other ones. Yeah, well, the, well, no, that's that's fair enough because I think that probably encompasses the general feeling of the entire fandom towards this yeah. film. 
Mm. Well, and and to be honest, the, the entire uh, general population really. Um, see, my score is kind of in the middle of you two. Um, I'm going for about a sixty-four because purely because if my what I believe to be a false memory is not a false memory, this is the first indie film I actually saw in the cinema. So it is slightly nostalgic, and at the time yeah. I did see it through rose-tinted glasses in the fact that it's an Indiana Jones film. And because I really loved the first three and grew up on them, I was like, it's an Indiana Jones film. I'm going to go and see it in the cinema. Oh, my God, this is amazing. And the fact that it had aliens in, and at the time I was becoming a massive alien nut, um, like was just even better. But looking at it through 23-year-old eyes, I can pick this film apart like fuck and go, that shit, I'd change that. I do this instead of that. That's that's actually really good. Really enjoyed that. Do you know what? What it all boils down to is the script. I can look at that now and go, that's shit. Whereas if you were asking me at age six, seven, and eight, what do you think of Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull? I'd go, oh, do you know what? It was actually really good. It's not as good as the other three, but you know what? It's really good. So I'd go for about a 64. Yeah, yeah. I'd say that's fair. <laughs> um, so that about wraps up us for the Indiana Jones franchise uh, we might do a review of the fifth one just to properly wrap it up depending on what happens with that fifth one if it's even worth our time or not I hope it is um, so our next franchise I'm going to hand over to Mr Tony Buston yeah so and this this will sort of dovetail us into Halloween at, at some point with it as well. I thought we were going to sort of um, go more. I mean, we we did the Alien franchise, well, but this is this is more firmly in the horror horror camp. We're going to do next. I mean, I I, I went through a couple of different choices, maybe the Psycho trilogy, Psycho films, or the Evil Dead. But in the end, I've I've plumped four. I want to say a trilogy, but it's going to be a bit of three point one after speaking to you guys. Um, and that's the Omen franchise. Hey, can't yeah. wait. So Something very Omen. different. Yeah, so that'll yeah. be the Omen, uh, Damien Omen 2, and Omen 3, The Final Conflict. Uh, I, so there is an Omen 4, which was a TV movie, but uh, as we tend, we focus on the cinema, so we'll sort of give that a miss. And what we'll do, I think, is we'll swap that out for this on, on the back of jo- Josh's sort of suggestion. As we'll swap that out for the actual remake of the Omen, yeah, for yeah. 2006. We do them back to back, so we'll get that. That'll be a nice sort of fresh comparison, and then we'll jump back to the sequels to the to the first film, and we'll do it that way. Yeah, um, I know I've seen these films Same. several times, so I, I do know the quality is very, very up. Well, it's not up and down; it goes down. But it'll yeah. be interesting to see what you guys think of the, of the films as a whole. Yeah, because I I. I watched the first one. I um, every Halloween for the past maybe two or three years, probably a bit longer. Um, yeah. I have done the thirty-one days of Halloween, and I've watched one brand new horror film. Um, because this is gonna sound really weird, but I I was lived quite a sheltered life, uh, horror movie wise growing up. <laughs> um, so uh, I missed out during my teens, like the likes of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, The yeah. Shine and The Omen, um, all mad shit like that. 
Um, so when I got into my late teens and early 20s, I said, right, fuck it. I'm going to do the 31 Days of Horror and <laughs> go and watch all those films that I've missed out on. And when I came to watch The Omen uh, franchise, my dad said, I'm going to watch them with you because they're my favourite um, sort of horror, thriller-ish movies of all time. So I watched them and I loved the first one. Yeah. And my dad said, go and watch the remake and see if you think it's any good. I watched it and really enjoyed it. Mm. So, and I know a lot of people don't because, you know, it was the start of, oh, let's just remake everything because we can't think of anything original. Yeah, so this, is, this will be interesting uh, sort of the, for me and you then to revisit these with a more cri- critical and analytical eye this time. Yeah, right? yeah, massively. That's, that's why I really can't wait for this. Um, and probably, I guess, first timers for you, Paul, then all of them. Uh, I think I've seen the first one. Um, yeah. probably on TV. It's mm. it's strange because for anybody that doesn't know, um, I'm a a goer to Halloween Horror Nights. Yes. Um, but I tend to stick to the films that are there rather than going out of my way to watch. Yeah. Horror movies. Um, yeah. not to say I I'm not a fan. Um, obviously I'm a massive Universal Monsters fan. Um, yeah. It's probably one of the first things that I ever became kind of geeky about. Um, yeah. So it's not like I'm not a fan. I yeah. honestly, so, across so these, the, yeah, so across these podcasts that we we do, yeah, it, it's probably the reason why I do them because it kind of opens me up to things that I wouldn't go searching for. Yeah. Um, certainly with the Oscar show as well that we do. Um, yeah. That was partly the reason why I decided to start that. And, and one of the reasons why I decided to start this was to kind of stop me from just going and picking up that Same old title. battered box, yeah. box set that's sat on the shelf because I've watched <laughs> it 30 times. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. looking forward well, to it. Should, it should be good. Yeah. So what we'll do, we'll do the 76 Omen. Then we'll do the remake. I'm not sure whether it's on Disney Plus or not. I haven't looked. But, um, then we'll do Damien Omen 2 and then Omen 3, The Final Conflict. Boss. Do it um, and that, of course, has got Sam Neill in it. That, so that's a very young Sam Neill. <laughs> um, and, and an interesting cameo, which you'll be seeing whether Paul spots it as well so, as one of his staff. So that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's, yeah only that, the, it's only the original three on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. All so, oh, right. That's a good session for the remake then. Yeah, trying to track down the remake between us then, so it's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, so that yeah, so that's what I'll be covering for the next few months with us. Yeah. Brilliant. So we hope you've enjoyed our little romp between uh, the Indiana Jones films, uh, and we hope you'll you'll join us uh, next month for. The first Omen film. Uh, we are on uh, social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, all the different podcast platforms. Uh, please do go and give us a review on wherever it is you get your podcast. It really does help us out. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>